0: Welcome to the Smiling Boys podcast. This is a podcast that explores a public health approach to improving the mental health of black boys while challenging the negative stereotypes often associated with this demographic in the society. This is a happiness research informed podcast themed on the eight pillars of happiness explored on my research trip to the top five happiest countries in the world. Now, isn't that cool? Welcome, welcome to... Another episode of the Smiling Boys podcast. And I think what's really interesting about this episode is the season one finale episode. So it's a recap episode, essentially. And this episode, we're going to be exploring all the things that I have explored in the past 15 weeks. Can you believe I've been with you guys for 15 weeks. So for 15 weeks, we've explored a myriad of the eight pillars of happiness, how that directly translates to the experiences of black boys at the age of 13 across all the boroughs of London that I've worked with and how these lived experiences have formulated independent episodes that seek to have uh, enlightened and also given people further context as to why a lot of the things that have come through as a result of the Black Lives Matter movement is really, really pertinent in the time that we are in to start to kind of advocate for not just change, but for restructuring of those structures and systems. So with that being said, today's episode is going to be broken down into firstly just exploring what the vision and the mission of Smiling Boys is and how this podcast really and sits right into that and how the second season, which would be commencing around October would be again, something to really look forward to as an audience and ultimately a call to action regarding those who have actually really benefited from this podcast a call to action in terms of how you can continually support, not just the podcast, but the entire mission of the program. As a whole. So Smiling Boys' mission is to challenge the negative stereotypes of black boys while providing them with tangible tools to improve on their mental well-being, emotional literacy, their ability to articulate their emotions and how they feel in a very healthy, structured, trusting environment that allows for them to grow and to thrive. So the vision of the Smiling Boys Project is to see the visuals of black boys smiling normalized across popular media in the society that we exist within. And the podcast, as well as the workshops and the exhibition, form very important pillars in allowing this vision to come to life. So in the last 15 weeks, we've explored a myriad of the eight pillars of happiness that predicate the podcast, but also predicate essentially the program as a whole, how these eight pillars were used to design the individual 15 episodes, recapping what we've explored, especially uh, from the beginning the episode of Trust. We spoke a lot about the concept of how trusting relationships and conducive environments for trust to thrive are very essential in trying to build any kind of intervention, any type of collaborative solution-based program or project with this demographic is so essential. Actually, with any demographic, building trust is is very essential. And we spoke about that. We spoke about how the relationships with police institutions, the school institutions, the healthcare institutions have been historically one that has been devoid of trust and how a lot of the accounts of the young boys that we explored really documented this and how a lot of the findings and the recommendations from a lot of those discussions and the, the evaluation at large really points to the fact that those structures and those systems need to be restructured, especially the school institution when we look at the disproportionality of exclusion rates, the disproportionality of detention, and all these other markers in the education system that impact boys, black boys specifically, at a disproportional rate in comparison to their white counterparts. How these programs have really highlighted the deficiency of the specific restructure of these practices within education were kind of brought to the light in, in that episode. We spoke a lot about the institutions that these young people might also want to engage in, which is usually the art institution, how their practices as well need to be restructured in terms of exploring explicit consultations, explicit workshops, explicit protocols that need to be embedded in the structures of those institutions moving forward to tackle institutional endemic racism that's prevalent in those spaces. As we spoke on the concept of togetherness and belonging, when I took a bunch of 20 black 13-year-old boys into that institution, I spoke of the tape and how they were physically Um, Policed in that space as black bodies, how they were told where to go and where not to go and what not to do and how to step and how not to step as if those boys, one, are illiterate and cannot read, but also how this actually continually speaks about the demonization of the black body existence, especially when it comes to black masculinity, in this case, young boys. Speaking about how institutions themselves can really be very privy to understanding the experiences of these demographics and how it's their duty to increase the amount of diverse and inclusive practices in their spaces and how this actually then would start to boost the numbers of those who not just participate in the audience section of their institutions, but actually also participate in the creation and curation of the art that is supposed to be reflective of the society that we live in. So that is uh, something that we spoke about on the togetherness and belonging, a pillar of this podcast. We also spoke about the concept of snitching and how no snitching is one that was embedded and is embedded continually in the cultural context of Black boys and Black uh, folks. How we grow up and how you know the distrust that already is prevalent in our society towards the police institution, towards a lot of even our parents' structures, which then feeds the concept of whenever you tell the truth, you ultimately do not get positive reward. So therefore, why tell the truth to institutions or people who are in position of power when they have created a sustainable lifestyle and livelihood from being dishonest? So understanding how these contradictions then fill the voids of the concept of boys trying to be honest or not honest, snitch or not snitch in situations where they are very clear and aware about the dangers that those choices bring to them and how you know those choices uh, ultimately are taken away from them when they look at the alternative options, which is either telling the truth and ultimately being exposed to lack of protection, in most cases, even death. And how we as a society need to look at that and actually start to remodel a society. That is based upon collective trust and honesty uh, being rewarded positively. Another thing that we spoke about was the concept of role models and fathers, black fathers specifically, how the concept of role modeling versus the concept of mentoring, how important it is to resurrect the concept of mentoring and positive modeling of individually tangible people in the communities in the everyday lives of these young people, how that trumps the concept of a much more imaginative idea of a role model that has no direct lived experience in terms of the connection and relation to the young person in their everyday life. So thinking about how we can reinstate this concept of everyday people as people to model characteristics that they actually display, which should be aspirational in its existence and how we need to start to revert the concept of uh, role modeling to more mentoring and actually speaking on how those individuals can then take up independent roles in the lives of the young people directly and how that has much more significant impact than the outturn of the young person in question. And then we spoke about black fathers and how the myth of black fatherhood is one that could be weaponized and has been weaponized to actually singularly blame the black community in this case, black men of the multiple ills that face us as a society, as opposed to looking at systemic structures being defunded, being divested in, to be able to dissipate these funds into actually much more relevant and necessary intervention practices that would actually bring about the real long-term change as opposed to looking at black fathers as the sole reason why there are all these structural and societal deprivations in communities, which inevitably lead to things like violence and incarceration and all these other things that we tend to kind of focus on when we speak about the concept of black fathers. We also spoke about mental health, we spoke about how the impacts of consistent, racialized experiences of young black boys and young black people um, in particular, how this impacts the frontal lobe of their brain and how this impacts their developmental um, stages, how this starts to impact the ways in which post-11, we start to see higher rises in the mental health issues that begin to form in young black boys. We start to see a higher diagnosis of behavioral and mental disorders. We start to see a higher statistical account and diagnosis of more behavioral and mental disorders like ADHD in boys post-11 years old and how these things are very much a direct representation of the exposure to a lot of these other factors and how that impacts disproportionately black boys and black men. We speak about you know, how black men are much more, seven times more likely to be detained in the, under the Mental Health Act. So we speak about how a lot of mental health provisions are not specifically designed to cater to the specific needs of black boys, black men, and black people as a whole. And we spoke about that in that episode. We spoke about security, the concept of equality and equity in the institutions, like uh, as I highlighted, the, the art institutions where I took the young people to, and the school institution, in other corporate spaces and institutions that are public funded that are supposed to actually have the best interest of every single demographic at hand and actually seeing how, based on the statistics that we explored in that episode, how it's very clear that Black boys, black people are disproportionately affected in those statistics. We also spoke about the concept of freedom, and I think that was very pertinent in how that really sat within the concept of the Black Lives Matter movement, about the concept of how a lot of the structures and the systems that fail black people, and specifically in this case, black boys, how these systems are not by chance. These systems are not unconscious bias. These systems, especially when we speak about schools, when we speak about policing and criminal justice system, these systems are state sanctioned. These systems are institutionally inbred and understanding that we need to at this juncture in our existence, we need to be radically fighting to deconstruct and rebuild something new that actually works for everyone, especially black and brown people. We speak Spoke about that, we spoke about the concept of all black lives being as important as black men, not just those who are readily broadcasted as the victims of state violence to be just black men, even though there's an overwhelming number of that. But understanding that there's an underrepresentation of black trans, black queer, non binary identifying folks, of black women specifically as well. So, understanding how the concept of black lives matter should be all encompassing and it shouldn't be one that is based upon the idea of just black men's lives being the sole reason for the movement to continually stay alive. So that was something that we kind of explored in one of the episodes. We also spoke about the concept of masks and regarding masculinity how as young boys the concept of being able to show the version of yourself that's authentic and is really representative of you is one of the things that becomes very difficult the older you get because the society and the concept of patriarchy punishes any ideas of true, authentic representations of boyhood and using the concept of shame to actually whip boys into shape by allowing them to conceal and not connect to their emotions and keep that behind a mask and show a version that is more palatable, the version that is rewarded by patriarchy into the system. So so that's something we explored as well under the concept of freedom and how as caregivers, as people who deliver workshops or people who are in the position of care for young people, especially young boys, the roles we play in allowing those young boys to grow up and feel very safe to express and explore the versions of themselves that is true to who they are authentically without being punished and how to empower boys to also challenge this within their micro friendship groups and within the macro societal environment that they might find themselves in. And that's how the the program of Smiling Boys kind of fits very perfectly in that conceptual idea of creating spaces that allow for boys to really engage in spaces like this without being reprimanded and without being made to feel ashamed of any exploration that come through as a result of those discussions. We spoke about money and wealth. We spoke about the correlation between money, wealth, and happiness, if at all there was. We explored about the concept of how not having money is a very impacting indicator when it comes to the measurement of happiness of people. Not necessarily the amount of money that we have, but not having at all is one that really has a very drastic impact on our happiness levels in the ways that we measure. We also spoke about how readily available it is for young black boys to be able to make a particular amount of money and how this then feeds into the exploitation of black boys in the industry of uh, drugs, county lines, and as a society what role we need to play in exploring how disparity of wealth, um, in particular boroughs, um, not alone just looking at the the country itself, but just from a borough perspective, looking at the disparity of wealth in those areas and how that really also fuels a lot of the the challenges we look at along the concept of serious youth violence and uh, drug trade. We spoke about purpose. We spoke about the Japanese concept of Ikigai, which is the reasons to live, and how these four components of Ikigai are very integral in trying to create a compass that navigates this to us towards living a life that's uh, full of fulfillment. And there's, we explore some stats about how this really shows to increase the lifespan of specific groups of people in Okinawa and Japan, and how a lot of these teachings really help us live a more coherent life. And this is something that we explored in the context of Black Boys and how this creates an aspect inspirational tool for them while actually going to school and trying to understand what's the bigger purpose behind why they choose to come into school and understanding that and giving them agency and autonomy over understanding why they have a desire to to engage in anything that they do by linking that to a purpose of theirs. And finally, the last pillar that we explored very loosely and intertwined with another pillar was the concept of democracy and how the voices of young black boys could be facilitated and and heard in a much more equitable uh, structure that is not based upon a hierarchy of knowledge and using that to really empower young black people and young voices to be able to to see that and know that their voices carry weight, not just people who are deemed older than them and therefore wiser. And that's something that's really important to really start to explore when we work with young people. That is all the things that we covered over a breath of 15 weeks. I do implore you, if you have not listened to all the episodes, to go back, listen to these episodes, recommend them to friends, colleagues, institutions, funders, all across the board. And for those who have taken anything from the episodes that we shared um, over the past 15 weeks, it would be really great to hear your thoughts, your feedback. As over the last 15 weeks, I've had a flurry of messages from people uh, over multiple platforms, you know, highlighting how the episodes have really highlighted so so much gap in their learning, gap in their understanding and learning. And some of these people are really well-seasoned professionals, practitioners who have worked with young people, especially in this demographic. So understanding all of us, you know, we have gaps in our knowledge. And actually, one of the great things about this podcast is, even in the process of creating the podcast, there are so many things that I learn and understand even while working with the young people. So being in a position to be able to dissipate that information across to all practitioners is something that's really filled me with a lot of happiness and joy and a sense of value. And a lot of friends and male uh, counterparts parts across the country and even internationally reaching out to me, telling me about how specific episodes and concepts around masculinity that's been explored in this podcast has really helped embolden them in their personal lives, in their friendship groups, and other you know, women and non-binary people also reaching out and you know extending their hand in terms of the exploration of the collective approach that we need to be having to dismantling the concept of patriarchy and how these teachings are very important from a very young age in our boys to be able to see a society that is devoid of Sexual violence and see a society that is um, more equitable towards gender, but also a society that is much more equitable towards black lives. And I think, you know, that's something that I definitely feel very proud of that I've been able to accomplish that in the last 15 episodes. So that leaves me with so much excitement for what season two would be when I work with new groups of boys across London. And this is where, again, there's a call to action to you for those who have been, you know, avid listeners, for those who have felt that this project, as well as this podcast, has been really um, educational and very helpful. It's now important for for you guys to put your money where your mouth is. There is a crowdfunding page which I have created now for those who want to support the program to be able to deliver the project to multiple groups of young black boys across the country, especially more so in these times post the recent murders and killings of a lot of black folk and the unearthing a lot of injustices across the country and globally. How this has now made it much more necessary and pertinent for these visual representations of blackness and black identities to be challenged and destroyed as it were in our popular discourse around how we visualize the ideas of black boys and black imagery in our society. So for those of you who are really interested in seeing the project continually grow from strength to strength in more schools, working with more boys across more boroughs, now this is an opportunity for you to use your voice, use your money to continually amplify the work of this project. So the crowdfunding is to raise about 35,000 pounds to be able to deliver the program to another five schools and five boroughs, which would total 100 black boys across the city. So that's something that, that I think is very doable, something that I think is very important to continually carry on this work from bar to bar and ultimately from city to city, eventually from country to country. Thank you guys so much for being avid listeners, avid supporters, and continually serving as inspiration for me to to continually carry this work on. Please amplify the work of this project, this podcast, and spread it far and wide to your friends, colleagues, and to those people who you know are in position to actually put a strong amount of capital and other partnership ideas to us the project and the mission of the program. Thank you guys so much. I will be keeping you guys updated with what the second season of the podcast would be shaping up to be in the interim. I'm sure I'll be having various things for you to dip into so that you do not feel completely starved of the content. Thank you guys so much and catch you guys soon. Season two on the way. Peace out.